Well, good morning and welcome to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, if you're a guest, it's uh, especially nice to have you join us this time of year. Uh, we are in a series called Skinny Santa. We've been in about three weeks now and uh, we're, we're doing this. Um, the story is not really about Santa. The story is about Jesus, but it's kind of neat to go back and kind of redeem and examine some of the traditions that we have added to Christmas through the years. And uh, we've been looking at this man named Nicholas, St. Nick, uh, later to be called Santa Claus, uh, when he got to the North Pole. And whatever you do with him beyond that, it's kind of up to you guys, all right? But uh, there are a lot of stories and a lot of actions uh, that have been attributed to, to, to Nicholas. Even some miracles, which what might, some might say would qualify him to be called a saint uh, by some. But obviously, many of those stories and many of those traditions have not really uh, didn't really happen. They've been exaggerated, or some of them are just totally false, like the one that we saw uh, just a few moments ago about SmackDown Santa. Uh, but the story about St. Nick being at the Nicaea Council is pretty well documented. Now, a lot of us have never heard that a lot, but, but really, this was a council held about 325 AD. And before the council, there wasn't a lot of consensus about some major Christian doctrines, specifically the deity of Jesus Christ. In fact, there was a lot of disagreement. Some thought he was just a man, just a good teacher or something. But, but in fact, there was a lot of conflict. There was a lot of disagreement. And so at this council, Nicholas showed up. He was a man of peace. He was not a man of violence. And, and he worked together in harmony to bring together and convince the skeptics to accept the biblical truth about who Jesus really was. And from this council came a, a long statement. I say a statement, it's a several statements that are strung together that is called the Nicene Creed. Now I want to read that to you. Even though we don't really follow creeds or anything like that, the only creed we have is Christ. But in this statement, it's kind of interesting because there's not a lot to, not a really a lot to disagree with, but I want to read it to you. This is what came of that conference or of that council where they, they came together and where Nicholas was a part of. It says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten by the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, which some would call the Catholic Church and Apostolic Church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Now, it's pretty amazing that these guys all got together and came to consensus on all of that information. There is a lot encapsulated in that, in that simple statement. But that's what came from it. And you know that there had to be some people of, of a convincing power and of harmony and peace to bring all of those minds together to, to write these things down. But the main point that comes from all of this, basically, is that Jesus is one with God. That really was the question, and that really is something that you and I need to recognize today, because down through the years, many people have not acknowledged who Jesus really is. 
And, and if, even if people understand that Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus, there's some that don't really get the impact of that. What difference does it really make? And that one fact is the most important point uh, because it's the most important truth within the Bible. And so not only should we have that documented and understood and, and, and accepted, but also it needs to be proclaimed to everyone. In fact, the Apostle John uh, in his gospel proclaims just that. We know there are four gospels. Two of them give us the written details of the birth of Jesus, but John has a little different slant. And so we're going to kind of focus our thoughts in the book of John this morning. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. Now, there's two words that are kind of used for Jesus there, the Word and the light, and we're going to kind of look at each of those. You know, we think about Christmas being the birth of Jesus. We we even celebrate that, and we really want to reinforce that, and the beginning of Jesus, but in reality, the, the Christmas that we celebrate is not the beginning of Jesus, that Jesus has existed before the beginning of the universe. John here calls Jesus the Word because Jesus is the way that God has chosen to communicate with us. God with us, coming to us. He is the messenger. He is the message and the Messiah who was sent into our world to reveal God to us. And so John says, in the beginning, Jesus already resisted, existed. In other words, he was not a creation. He was with God and with the Holy Spirit in the beginning. We call that the Trinity of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And they are all weak, equal, and they have all always existed. Jesus' beginning did not initiate at what we celebrate in Christmas. And so John says that Jesus was the Word, and was God, and was with God. In other words, Jesus was there, and He had a part in creation. And without Him, nothing was created. He was instrumental in putting everything together. And in fact, everything was created around Jesus and for Jesus. He is the center of everything, not only of the Bible, but of all creation. And so the whole creation was designed for God's ultimate plan that would happen several years, several thousand years later. And that would be for Jesus to come to our earth. Understand that Jesus' coming was not a second plan because plan A didn't work. God created everything. He established a relationship and a a people. And then the Bible says in the fullness of time that Jesus came into our world. And so everything was made uh, at just the right moment that Jesus was come. And so he is the word. Jesus also is described by John as the light of the world. Let's pick up in verse six. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So here we have John the Apostle, the writer of the book of John, who is talking about a John. And you might think, well, he's talking about himself. Sometimes they did that in the the first person uh, perspective. But no, he's talking about another John. And this is John the Baptist. It was a pretty common name in that day. So John the Apostle talking about John the Baptist, whose job was to come into the world to recognize and to introduce Jesus to the world. And you know, he did that at his baptism. He saw Jesus coming down and he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so he introduced him, he baptized him, and then he began to direct his followers to go and follow Jesus. 
And so John says this was the one whose task was to recognize the light and to not only recognize it, but promote him. You know, we talked earlier about how Nicholas, he had the same duty and responsibility and how through actions, through generosity, uh, through uh, convincing abilities in every way that Nicholas just promoted Jesus. He just pushed Jesus forward. And so that's what God's called us to do as well, to introduce everyone that we see, everyone that we meet, everyone we know, introduce them to Jesus. In fact, uh, we've been talking about some skinny Santa challenges, and that's the very first one of those, was to share Jesus with others. We've been encouraging you to, to kind of tell people what we've been talking about in our, in our sermon series here. So John says, this man came from God, his name was John, he testified to the light. Let's pick up again in verse uh, following. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You know, we read the, the Christmas story and, and we love the image of a baby born in a manger. I mean, that somehow makes it all more real to us. It makes it human. And so we like to go and see nativity scenes and, you know, living Chris, uh, uh, Christmas scenes are, are awesome. And the baby is there. I think it makes Jesus human. And, and I love the fact that Matthew and Luke share in that way. But you know what? John tells the Christmas story in a different way in a different perspective. And that's what we're kind of reading here. He doesn't give the account of the baby born in the manger, but he does tell the story about how Jesus came into our world. And he does that with some really clear imagery. And so let's take a few moments and see how he does that. First of all, John says the creator stepped down into his own creation. Now, and if you're some sort of artist or sculptor or whatever you might make, you might be proud of that. You make it and you step back and you look at it, but very rarely do you enter into that and become a part of what you made. It doesn't happen very often. In some cases, it may be impossible. But Jesus, who himself is not a creation, but instead the creator, he chose to leave heaven and to step down and become a part of his creation. I mean, that's kind of amazing when you think about it, that he left a place of glory, a place of perfection. He left where everything was unbelievable for him, and then came to our world. And I got to be honest with you, my world is pretty good. I hope yours is. It's got its ups and downs. But our world is nothing compared to that world. And for the creator to choose to put himself in this scene and this world he had made is just almost mind-boggling. Yes, he did it in the form of a baby, uh, but the fact that he did it at all is just kind of amazing and hard for us to grasp. He cho chose to be born not into a wealthy family or living in a palace, but born to a poor couple who don't even seem to be in, in, uh, married at the point. In fact, uh, the Bible says they were engaged or they were espoused to be married. They don't have a lot of means. I'm sure they don't own their own home. Uh, they don't have a, a nice vehicle or probably even a donkey to call their own. They're very fragile in their relationship still. They're kind of walking through this. They're fragile financially in a lot of ways. There's just not any glamour in this. 
And we can't even glamorize the nativity scene, you know. Sometimes we make it look so clean and so perfect, and it, and it really wasn't like that. Jesus came down and was born into anonymity and into a potentially dangerous situation where at a very young child, they had to run for his life. And in spite of all that, in addition to that, he, he even chose to experience the full human experience that the God of the creation chose to place himself for nine months in the womb of a woman. And that is... Amazing to think about that, that, that God did that and, and, and was confined to that space. That he was, uh, went through an unsterile delivery in a stable. That he allowed himself to have to have dirty diapers. That he experienced hunger and crying out to someone to care for him. That he had total helplessness like a baby can do nothing for themselves. And then as a child that he experienced scrapes and bruises that every kid goes through and that pain. And then those awkward middle school years, you know, and then difficult teenage years of rejection. And as an adult, trying to help people and rejected and mocked and tortured even. And then later on, he submitted himself to the painful human suffering that led to death. You see, when we think about Jesus coming into our world, it's not just the baby thing, it's the whole experience that Jesus came, leaving heaven, stepping into creation. What a huge step down it was. But here's the reason he did that. He did that to come into our world so that he could lift us up. He didn't reach down and grab us and give us a hand and drag us up. Instead, he came to live beside us and to lift us up through his power. It's amazing. So he stepped into our, his creation. Secondly, the light shone in the darkness. The light shone in the darkness. That's how John describes Jesus coming to our earth. You know, lights are pretty much a, a big part of Christmas celebration, right? I mean, when we put up a tree, the lights are always the first thing on it. Some of you guys know that. Some of your houses, you know, you're kind of robbing everybody else by sucking all the power because you're, you've overdone the lights. But lights are big. You know, we travel around to look at lights. But it's always been that way because at the birth of Jesus, there was a lot of light. Remember the Bible says that when he was born, that there was a uh, bright light that shone to the shepherds who were the first one to hear the news. And it was just an overwhelming light that shined on them. And uh, then the message was given to them and they followed the angels back to the place of birth. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about another light. Remember the bright new star, the brand new star that hadn't existed before when Jesus was born that the wise men followed from the east to the place where Jesus was. So light has always been a big part of Jesus coming into the world. But you know, that's not really what John's focusing on here. What John's talking about is the very nature of Jesus himself, that Jesus is the light. It is the essence of Jesus. It's, uh, it's the, the life of Jesus, his character, that when he went in, he brought light to dark places. And he loved to go to dark places where people were sinful and people were hiding from themselves and their guilt. But when Jesus came in, he brought the light. And he, he made them understand that there was hope and, and illumination in their lives. You know, the same thing is true today. We said last week when we talked about Jesus coming and bringing justice that wherever the gospel comes, it automatically raises the level of morality. It raises the level of the culture because it's shining dark light in dark places. But the same thing is true today because when people see Jesus and really come to know him and give their life to him, it's like a, a switch is flipped on. Maybe, maybe you've had a chance to share that with people and they suddenly... They, they, they get it. They, they never saw it before. The light comes on 
and they see who Jesus really is. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Later on, he says that uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And what he's saying is that I am the light that provides vision for you so you can see the path that's going to take you to the Father. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Not only am I the light of the world, but you are the light of the world as well. And we all need to hear that message today because he said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He goes on to say that nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but you light it and you hold it up so people can see. That that's what Jesus does, the light that he brings into our world, and that the light is to be contagious, not kept to ourselves, but to be contagious. You know, tomorrow evening in our candlelight uh, service, uh, we're all going to uh, worship and we're going to share, but there'll come a point that we'll light candles. It's a candlelight service, and so we'll light a candle, and, and then other candles will be lit from that. And one person will light another, another, until the whole room is illuminated with the candles. But all of that comes from one light. Now, now we can't produce that light. We can't bring light into dark places by ourselves. And, and on our own, sometimes we feel a little bit handicapped. But the reality is that when we get our light from Jesus, and then we begin to share that light with others, then it does become contagious, and the whole world could be illuminated, which, by the way, is what Jesus had in mind that you are the light of the world. So the creator came to the creation, the light shone in darkness, and third, John says, the word made his home among us, that the word came and lived with us. In the Old Testament, God's presence would be present with his people, and he did that by, again, a light, what was called the Shekinah glory of God, which was kind of a a bright light they couldn't hardly even look at. But when, when God was with them in the Old Testament, he would live in the, the tabernacle. They were traveling. They had this temporary tent made of skins that they would put up. And, and God would actually be visible during the day uh, and, and at night in a cloud, or in the day in a cloud, at night in, the, in a light. And then he would kind of live in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Later on, uh, when the temple was built, uh, he moved in there. And that's where his presence kind of resided. The people would go there to see God and worship God. But now, things are different. Now, God doesn't live in a building. He lives in the flesh, in through Jesus, and then through you and I, as we are a part of the light. One paraphrase of this says that the Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood, that He came to live with us. Jesus, the Word, came to live with us and showed us how to live in the way that God intended. And John says, and so we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, that we have seen his glory. And not only did he bring a light, but he brought a balance into our world. And that is in the area of grace and truth. You know, this is something that we often don't think about, but, but Jesus taught us how to live in, in a way that's honest and loving as well. Because we have to have both grace and truth. If we only have grace but no truth, then we're not honest with people. That's one of our problems today, and I believe in the church world, is that we just want to be so graceful that we never get around to telling people the truth. We just want to pat people on the hand on the back and say, you're good, you're fine. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus brought grace but truth along with that. Now, on the other hand, if we have truth but no grace, then we don't show love to people. You know, we're just, we're standing on this point, the facts, these are the facts, and I don't care, you know, about you, and, and that's how it comes across. But Jesus 
He brought both in the right balance, which is what we all long for, we all need to understand. So I would encourage you this Christmas, as you think about living like Jesus and and imitating the example He has given to us, let's celebrate Him as the Creator, the perfect Creator, who stepped into His creation, the light is shown in the darkness, the one who came to live with us, bringing grace and truth, and to give us the hope that we all long for. You know, in our study, we've kind of figured out that Nicholas of Myra, uh, Turkey, by the way, is where this country he was in, he wanted everyone to know who the true God was. And he would do whatever it took. Not fight them, but love them. And, and that's kind of what God has called us to do as well. Because we want everyone to know not only who God is, but who his son is who came into our world. And I, I would guarantee you that if Nick was here today, if he showed up, the real guy, uh, he, wouldn't be, uh, he wouldn't be fat probably. Uh, but he also would be all about focusing our thoughts and our attention only on Jesus. It would not be on himself. And that's my challenge to you as parents and, and just each of us as we think about the, the, the character of Christmas that we most, most comes to mind. Let it be Jesus. Let it be the, the star of the show, the one who came to our earth because he loved us so much. Now to wrap up, let me look at one more time at our skinny Santa challenges. Uh, just review them one more time. First of all, the skinny Santa is to share Santa. You know, you can do that, and I would encourage you to do that. What better time of the year than, than right now to talk about Jesus with people? And so if there are people in your home or in your neighborhood or, or whoever it might be, just invite them, you know? Say, hey, we've been talking about this, you know, come and share. Let's you know, point them to the Facebook, share that on your Facebook page, our, our Facebook Live and, and let them see uh, the, the little videos about Nicholas and, and hear the messages. Talk to your kids about Santa. Just share that with other people. Invite them to come to our Christmas Eve service tomorrow night. The second challenge is to go skinny. And we talked about this. It may be a little bit late for some of you, uh, but keep in mind for the future, if you've already done your shopping, uh, some of you guys haven't started yet. You're going to start tomorrow, probably, or something. Uh, so you still got some time. But, but here we said, go a little skinny on gifts this year for each other so that we can help a child in need. You know, that, that's where the heart of God is to help those who are suffering, especially compassion for children. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I gave you a little skinny stocking, and I encourage you to, to kind of save some money on the way uh, through this season. Maybe you'd cut out some money uh, from going out to eat or from buying some, you know, an extra toy that somebody doesn't need. Uh, extra cup of coffee, whatever it may be, or maybe you just want to write a check out, <laughs> whatever's easier for you. And, and the reason we're asking you to do that is because we want to kind of learn what it's like to give and not just what it's like to get all the time. And uh, this year, our uh, Skinny Santa offering is going to um, uh, Guatemala uh, through the ministry called Lemonade International through our, ch- our friend Chow Knox, as with us a couple weeks ago. And uh, there's a, a slum called La Lemonada. Uh, there that uh, has uh, thousands of young children who are uh, hungry, who are not educated. And so the gift that we give will go toward those academies and helping the children that are trying to be lifted out of poverty and, and sickness. And then the third challenge we gave you was to live skinny. And uh, we said this is a little more challenging. Uh, last week, uh, or next week, I'm sorry, next week we're going to give you the opportunity to adopt or sponsor a child uh, in, um, in Guatemala through this ministry and do that on an ongoing basis. And there's some amazing stories that people have told about, you know, giving for years with a child, being able to meet that child, and then seeing the child's life um, totally transformed by 
by your commitment to sponsorship. And we've never really done sponsorship, so I'm kind of excited about this. That'll be available next week. Uh, we'll have some kids that you'll uh, be able to connect with and perhaps even see someday uh, if you take a trip. Another option might be to foster or, or adopt, to kind of look into that. Another option we offered about making a difference in a child's life is to invest in them through our children's ministry or student ministry, uh, or maybe to mentor a child in some way or lead a group. And I want to share, I thought it was so cool. The last couple of weeks, we've had two pretty outstanding uh, things that happened. One of them was uh, two weeks ago on Sunday morning, uh, Bug Brown, who's one of our student ministry volunteers and group leader, and also with uh, the uh, organization FCA, uh, she brought a young man that she had talked to and helped lead to the Lord. And so uh, she and I baptized him uh, two weeks ago, which was awesome. And then this past, um, yeah, we can applaud for that, I'm sure. And then this past uh, Tuesday, I got a call from Tiffany uh, Bluell, uh, one of our young ladies. In fact, the lady who'll stand here in just a moment uh, and lead us in worship. And Tiffany's been leading and working with our student ministry. And she said, Randy, I'm so excited. I have a, a young lady who's come uh, to our group a few times, never been to church, never been to children's or student ministry, uh, but she's given her life to the Lord and wants to be baptized tomorrow afternoon. And so that was amazing. On Wednesday, we got a chance to see uh, God do some incredible things in her life. So, you know, that's just two examples of, of people just investing in someone's life, just giving an hour or two a week uh, that really makes a difference, not only for that child's hope and their personal growth, but more importantly, for their eternity. And uh, so I would just challenge, encourage you to maybe to live a little skinnier, to, to put a little time aside, to invest in the lives of some other people, maybe a child, and you can change the life and the future uh, of someone. And that really is what giving is all about, I believe. Uh, we never know the difference that we can make, not because of our own abilities, but, but specifically in, in letting Jesus use us and, and do something special in our lives. So I would challenge you to make some decisions like that this year that would not just be a seasonal thing, but that would last throughout the rest of the year.